Go within to find the answers you seek. Mad About Hugh, a memoir in living color. Written and narrated by Elaine Marie Sharp. Episode 3, Awakening to Color. Slime Deficiency I am watching Ghostbusters for the umpteenth time and find myself cringing. Not because it's a particularly scary movie, and not because I know the stay-puffed marshmallow man will soon be terrorizing New York City with its sticky white goo. I'm cringing because Bill Murray has just been slimed by my least favorite color on the planet. I've been repulsed by what I call slime green ever since I saw my first bottle of Gatorade, reminding me of that yucky color that comes out of caterpillars when you squish them. I have seen this disturbing yellow-green combination displayed on dresses, t-shirts, shoes, and handbags, and it continues to haunt me every time I see the Wizard of Oz and that menacing glow-in-the-dark face of the Wicked Witch of the West. As with all colors, the one you most dislike are the ones you need. In my case, the benefits of slime green are leadership and empowerment, while a deficiency in this color shows I have a tendency to be inflexible, judgmental, and unforgiving. Trying to make peace with this color has been no piece of cake. Every holiday season, I have to meet my demons head-on because the toy stores are stuffed with those slime-green Grinches. But even though I dread this annual onslaught, I realize I need this color because it prevents me from feeling like an oft-used doormat. Our color preferences are often influenced by our memories. For example, if your favorite elementary school teacher wore only pink dresses and it was her encouragement that helped you become a teacher yourself, then perhaps this might be the reason your favorite color is pink. On the flip side, if you were afraid of a nun wearing a black habit, who repeatedly slapped your knuckles with a wooden ruler as punishment, then that could easily account for your fear and dislike for black. We all have fears, but there's one thing I know for sure. If our colors are blocked and unbalanced, we are less likely to conquer our issues and realize our full potential.
Colors of the Sea It is cold and raining here in Rhode Island. And I am looking out my window at the gray skies, the assortment of birds perched on our bird feeders, and the gorgeous yellow and orange autumn leaves, watching them fall fast and furiously to the ground. Soon the trees will be bare, and the bleakness of winter will most assuredly come. Although I have lived through 60 autumns, this natural process always saddens me because I know the falling leaves are a metaphor for death. Yet I also acknowledge that each leaf's decay will nurture the earth, encouraging new grass to grow in the spring. With their demise, something wonderful will happen. Each leaf brings life, and that understanding gives me a renewed sense of hope. Last month, Nick and I had several deaths in our family, two of them occurring within the same week. Trying to make sense of it all, we hugged, we cried, we prayed, we meditated. Sometimes we even became angry. Grief is different for everyone, of course. Some people completely crumble, while others may console themselves by increasing their social activities or their workload. Some years ago, my father, grandmother, and Jag, our beloved cat, died within a few months of each other. I wasn't sure how I was supposed to feel, except that I did feel like I had been hit by a truck, a very big truck. For about a six-month period, I honestly didn't know how I managed to get from point A to point B. The pain was quite intense at first, and then my body went numb. My feet felt like they were sloshing through the thickest mud and I was getting absolutely nowhere. For me, the world had lost its luster, its color, and I didn't feel like doing much of anything. There was a huge pit in my stomach, like someone had taken their fist and punched it, punched it hard, and knocked the wind right out of me. Sometimes I wasn't even sure I was breathing or eating, or sleeping. One day, I surprised myself by wanting to write again, to journal, and it was healing. I also found myself wanting to create again. That is when I was guided to focus my energies into developing a line of angel aromatherapy products and a color therapy workshop to help others through grief. So something very positive developed from one of the most painful experiences of my life. Helping others helped me. Of course, I still miss my father and grandmother, 
even though I saw them infrequently over the years because they lived over 1,100 miles away. But Jag, that cat had been with us every day for 10 years. He shared our living space. And even today, I still feel his mischievous energy. Still see him batting around those silly little paper balls throughout the house. I still believe he's going to jump on the bed every afternoon and be my nap buddy. That was his daily ritual. I miss my nap buddy. I miss his black little face. Washington Irving said, There is a sacredness in tears. They are not the mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are the messengers of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition, and of unspeakable love. Well, I have surely cried a bucket of tears, and there will probably be many more to come during this time of transition and birthing of the new earth. It seems to me that more and more beings are opting to leave the planet, whether from sickness, violence, or natural disasters. But what about those of us who are left to tend to Gaia? How do we go on? How do we cope? I remember re-watching the Michael Jackson Memorial on YouTube. During Jermaine Jackson's heart-wrenching tribute to his younger brother, he sang Michael's favorite song, Smile, with so much love and emotion that I sat with tears streaming down my face, wailing and sobbing as if I had lost my closest friend. Fortunately, the message of the song, that life is still worthwhile if you just smile, was not lost on me. Because even though we may be looking at life through misty-colored memories, there is still so much beauty in the world, so many new wonders to explore. And in being here now, we have been given a tremendous growth opportunity, as well as a chance to honor our loved ones by living a life worthwhile. I believe that we can do this if we just make the choice to open our hearts again. Once we accomplish that, the smiles should come. During times of sorrow and complete disbelief, I often turned to color for healing. This was definitely the case after 9-11 when I found myself in a store that sold teas and crystals gravitating towards a beautiful apple green stone. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I clutched it and held it to my heart because I knew it was exactly what I needed that day. That green stone was chrysoprase, a wonderful healing stone, and what a blessing it turned out to be. In color therapy, the color green relates to the heart chakra. It relates to healing, love, compassion, and new beginnings. Green is what I sorely needed to help me 
deal with the pain, sadness, worry, and shock that so many millions of others were feeling too. Besides color, water is another of my go-to healing friends. It purifies our physical and emotional bodies, helping us to feel better and to go with the flow. And when you add color to water, you get a powerful combination of healing energy. This is why I suggest that people take a color therapy bath when they are grieving. After all, we are water, so returning to water is like returning home. Not long after the loss of my loved ones, I went to my favorite beach in Narragansett and sat alone in the lookout tower, staring at the sea. I was searching for answers. Why them? Why now? All of that. On this particular day, the ocean was that beautiful seafoam green color that I love so much. I meditated on its cleansing color ray and felt a bit better. And then I turned to other colors of the sea. Aqua, turquoise, cobalt, and lavender. I saw them all in the water that day, and their color energies helped me through the grief, too. This was how my Colors of the Sea workshop and CD were born. This was how I pulled through, how I soldiered on through my sea of grief. Like Dory in Finding Nemo, I just kept swimming, just kept swimming. Helen Keller said, The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen nor even touched, but just felt in the heart. In my heart, I know that she was right. End of the Roll A reporter once asked me a very interesting question. If you could recolor one thing in your life, what would it be? I thought about this for some time. If I had been asked the same question when I was a young girl, I might have said, Horses. The idea of owning a turquoise horse with a pink mane and tail would have been my ultimate color change, although recoloring black jelly beans would have been a close second. But I knew I needed to put on my grown-up adult face and come up with a serious answer. If I could recolor one thing, I said, it would be those Boring, grayish rolls you have left after you've used all the paper towels or toilet paper. I'm not kidding. I really would like to find something colorful at the end of the roll. Something surprising and fun. Like maybe a kaleidoscope prize in the Cracker Jack box. In its most negative form, the color gray represents dullness, gloom, 
hopelessness, misery. So the message I get from the empty rule is, that's it. Your life is over. There is nothing left. Walk away. My inner Pollyanna would delight in a sunnier, more positive message. Something happy and bright and multicolored. So what if you're out of paper? Life is good, so be glad. Just look at all the pretty colors. Silver Stardust Today is Earth Day. As I look out my window at our back lawn sprouting its fresh new carpet of green and a row of gorgeous yellow daffodils nodding at me in the breeze, I can't help but smile. Spring is here, and I am so grateful for this annual unveiling of renewal and growth. But what if all this beauty, all this life, was to disappear? What if the health of our families was threatened by something that was supposed to make our lives better? And what if we could have saved everything we loved, had we only stood in unity and demanded change? The dangers of 5G technology first appeared on my radar in 2019. The facts were shocking, and it would have been so easy to get caught up in the energy of fear, to be angry at the government and dark forces for pushing this pestilence. Yes, I wanted to protest, but I had zero interest in joining an activist group whose aim was to destroy cell towers and smart meters. At the time, physical limitations prevented me from knocking on doors and marching on Washington, but I tried not to be discouraged, convinced there had to be an effective yet peaceful solution. Then I remembered that words have power, so I wrote blog posts and letters to my local and state representatives. It wasn't enough. To help raise awareness, I launched an eight-part blog series called Fight with Light. When the rollouts continued, I created a shungite bracelet to protect myself from the harmful EMF rays, especially when working on the computer. One thing kept bothering me, though. Shungite is black, and I rarely wear black jewelry. My heart yearned for something uplifting, so I restrung the beads into a more colorful fight-with-light bracelet using black shungite, for protection and detoxification, and five different gemstone chips, violet amethyst for protection and spirituality, yellow aragonite to send out light energy and help heal the earth, pink morganite to connect to divine love, pink rose quartz to send love to negative energies, and clear quartz to magnify the energy of the other stones. For added protection, I included a large sterling silver stardust bead to serve as a metal shield, along with two smaller stardust beads. 
I giggled a little because the color silver represents the moon, and that's exactly what the larger silver bead looked like. Spinning the sparkly orb in my hand, I was surprised to find myself soaring high above my body, my house, the trees, and the clouds, until I had flown right past the sun and into the deepest blackness of space. Ah, peace, I thought. I was wrong. Out there were noisy, high radio frequencies, a cosmic concert of whistling, laser fire, and hissing waves. Also loud were the haunting cries of billions of humans in pain. I turned to look back at the Earth, a planet in distress, my planet. How could our government allow this? Why didn't we listen? They call this progress? Everything those crazy conspiracy theorists said would happen came true. God, please help us. The voices complained about cancers, headaches, failing eyesight, and foreseeable death. It saddened me, and I wondered how we had let things get this far. I already knew the answer, of course. Telecommunication companies were getting richer, while consumers suffered from the magnitude of the EMF radiation from their devices, the toys we had to have because they were smarter and faster. Oh, why didn't we realize sooner that these devices were actually killing us? And why did we need to be so competitive in the first place? From what I've witnessed in my 60-odd years, competition is the premise of wars and hate, but it also stems from fear, from believing that if we don't compete, we will lose at this wondrous game of life, we won't have enough, there will be lack, and we are dearly afraid of that. My soul traveled back to my office, where I still held the silver stardust bead, thinking about what I had seen and heard during my out-of-body experience. As I tied that last knot to complete my bracelet, I made an impulsive decision. I would create more of these bracelets. Making gemstone bracelets may not seem like the grandest gesture towards saving the planet, but I view them as tools of transformation. The color energies in the stones are powerful, embodied with light and protection while raising our frequencies to love. It was not by accident that my design included two different pink love stones. As humans, we may not be able to completely stop the current chaos, but the more love and light we can bring to the situation, the better our lives will be. is the sexiest color. Frank Sinatra said that orange is the happiest color. When I first read that quote online, I wondered why he believed that, so I did some searching and found a few photos of him wearing an orange shirt 
at a celebrity golf tournament and an orange sweater on the cover of Life magazine. Apparently, Frank liked orange a lot, but is it the happiest color? Not many people dared to disagree with the chairman of the board, but I will. I believe yellow is the happiest and orange is the sexiest. I've seen the proof. One of the many joys of having a color therapy booth is the opportunity to help others. Besides my color therapy sprays and oils, people love trying on the color therapy eyeglasses. When it's rainy or overcast outside, I tend to sell more yellow pairs. Customers claim it chases their blues away, and I can personally vouch for that. It's like instant sunshine. Orange is another color that receives much attention at my booth. While working at a holistic fair, I was approached by a young couple who wanted to get pregnant. Which color is the best for that? asked the wife. I'd recommend orange, I offered. It helps with sex and creativity. They both grabbed for the orange glasses and laughed. I helped them select additional orange items and thank them for their business. About two months later, I received an email from the couple announcing that we're pregnant. Thank you for telling us about orange. I love getting happy messages like that. One morning, I was setting up my booth at a church craft show when a smiling senior woman approached me. Oh, I love color therapy. Do you have anything for sex? She giggled. She tried on the orange glasses and bought them immediately, then scooted to the next booth. What a lucky sign, I thought. My first customer and the show hasn't even opened yet. I looked up at the huge print of Jesus Christ hanging on the wall behind me. It was nice to have a deity in my color corner. A woman selling jewelry in the adjacent booth had witnessed the transaction. Do you know who that was? There was a hint of mystery in her voice. I have no idea. Some early bird, I guess. Maybe a reporter? The craft person laughed, twirling the multi-strand glass beads around her neck into a figure eight. That woman was no reporter. She happens to be the minister of this church. Well, that sure threw me for a loop. I knew that orange was a friendly color, and I knew great sex made me a whole lot happier. So maybe old blue eyes was right. I won't swear to it, but I think Jesus winked. You have been listening to Mad About Hugh, a bi-weekly summer podcast series written and narrated by color therapist Elaine Marie Sharp. Today's excerpts are from the book Mad About Hugh, a memoir in living color, available at AuraHouse.com. Please join me again for episode number four, The Power of Hue. Until then, don't forget to stop and enjoy the pretty colors.